0: Because he couldn't find a scripture that would say, thou shalt kiss your date before you, you go home. So this went on night after night, several weeks, months had gone by, and still he was having a hard time with this. So he finally found a verse. You will greet your brother with a holy kiss. And so he, um, he brought it up to his, his pastor, and his pastor looked at that, and he says, Well, you know, I don't really think it's talking about dating. I don't think that really applies here. So he was once again back in the same boat he was at before. Just not sure what to do. And so once again, nice date, walked her back to the dorm, ready to say goodnight. And all of a sudden, she grabs his face and plants a 10-second kiss on him. He's, he's just shocked. And he's, he's uh, desperate to know what scripture she's standing on that she would have, have done such a thing. And so she, she grabbed his, his face again and kissed him again. And so now he's just really, really puzzled. And, you know, what, scrip- what scripture are you using? And she pr- simply said this do unto others as you would have others do unto you. <laughs> We've been talking about authority and power. If we're going to operate in the area of authority, we need to have we need to know what the scripture says. We need to know what kind of uh, guidance the word gives us on that. Because Jesus said, all authority I've, uh, all authority has been given unto me. Then he said, therefore, go. And we go in that authority. And we've been looking at the different places in, in Jesus' ministry where sometimes he operated in authority and sometimes he operated in power. We looked at the fig tree and we saw that with the fig tree We saw these three principles that came out of that. First off, say it, believe it, don't doubt it. He said something to the fig tree. He believed what he said to the fig tree was going to come about, and he didn't doubt it. And we spent a lot more time why he said what he said, why he did what he did, all those sort of things. Say it, believe it, don't doubt it. Then he also went on in the same passage of Scripture and talked about prayer. He said in prayer, ask, believe, and don't doubt. We just summarized it. He spent a little bit more, more time on it than that, but basically summarized this way. Ask, believe, don't doubt. There is a difference between asking God for something and speaking to something. That there are times we need to ask God for something, and there are other times when we need to speak to the things that are in our way. He said to the, he said to the disciples, If you say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says, shall come about. He shall have the things that he says. We cannot ask God to move mountains when Jesus has commanded us to speak to them. In the same way the rules apply to speaking, you don't speak to God the way you speak to things. Some people have gotten off on that tangent and they think we're here to give God orders. We don't give God any orders. We are submitted to God. He is over us. What he says, we do. We ask God. In prayer, we speak to things. And so we spent some time on that. We, uh, we shared this with you. Didn't put it in your outline today. Put it in one last, last week. Authority needs confidence. Power needs connection. All the miracles that Jesus did are done in either authority or power. Authority being the uh, exousia. Uh, authoritative power, you command a thing and it goes. Remember the centurion? I too am a man under authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to this one, come, and he comes. Jesus did some things under authority and he spoke to those things and they listened. We used a few examples already. When he faced the storm on the sea and he was in the boat asleep and the disciples came and woke him up. That was one situation where you saw they spoke to him instead of asking Don't speak to God. You're supposed to ask Him the the, the way that uh, they did. They came to Him and said, Master, don't you care that we are perishing? Of course He does. Don't let let the enemy come in and make you think that God does not care. God does care. He got up and what did He do? Oh God, please stop this storm. He didn't do that, did He? He spoke with His mouth. He spoke to the wind and He said to the waves... And the disciples wondered at this. They said, "Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him?" That was authoritative power. Last week we looked at the rooftop paralytic. Guy was let down from the the roof, and Jesus, first off, when he's let down, we saw over in Luke's gospel. Luke told us that the power of God was present to heal. That's a dunamis power. The power of God was present to heal. But when he let them, when the paralytic was let down into the meeting, he said, your sins are forgiven. And they all grumbled and complained. How does he have a right to to do this? Who gave him that authority? And so he said, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So the first thing he did was under the authority realm. He said to the man, rise up, take up your bed and walk. The man rose up, took up his bed and walked. That was done by the power of God because what was present to heal? Power. Power comes in when you need to alter a condition that, is not, necess- that not come under authority. We're going to spend some more time. I got some notes on that to, to help you out, differentiate between the two uh, even better. We put this in your outline last week and just want to remind you of this. Once someone receives the authority, the door is open to receive the power. The man who was on the stretcher had to first off receive the authority. He didn't have a problem with Jesus forgiving the sins. He was open to that. If he was, he would have shut himself down to the power of God the way everyone else did. Remember Luke's account of this? And the power of God was present to heal them. Them is plural. How many got healed in that meeting? One. There was a him who got healed. The power of God was present to heal them, but only a him got healed. The reason only a hymn got healed is because all the rest of them closed themselves down to the power of God because they shut themselves off from the authority. Once someone receives the authority, the door is open to receive the power. And he spent some time asking them. He gives them some questions of locations and so forth, find out where they were. So obedience to the command proved the first part. What healed him was the the power of God. We're going to go on here to another miracle. In John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Now the situations that he talks about here, blind, lame, paralyzed, are generally situations that are reserved for the power of God to heal. And they were waiting for the water to move. Now we get the description. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. So it didn't matter what you came there, what affliction you came in there with. The power of God was in the pool. Remember, authority needs confidence. Power needs confidence connection. There needs to be a connection made in order for the power of God to to come about. This is why many Christians have missed it. When we need the power of God, we don't seek after the connection. When we try and walk in the authority of God, we don't seek after the confidence. Confidence in authority comes from His Word. But connection is different. The one we keep going back to, the woman with the issue of blood. I know that if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. There's the connection. When she connected and she touched the hem of his garment, you remember what the scripture said? She was healed in her body. And Jesus turned around in the crowd and he said, Who touched me? And his disciples said, What do you mean who touched you? Look at the multitude of people that are around you. He says, No, someone touched me and healing power went out from me power healing power went out healing power went out from him and see there's no authority because jesus didn't take authority over anything he wasn't even involved except that he was touched and she accessed the power if you're going to access the power of god for something how are you going to access it here's what a lot of people do in christian circles this is why we have no success father god i need to touch your power i thank you i receive it amen <laughs> where's the connection? There's not a person in this room, probably not a person in this state who would go to the Walmart, go to the Home Depot, go to the Lowe's, go to Target, whatever it is, buy a lamp, put the lamp on your your table and say, light. You wouldn't do that, would you? What would you first off do? Find the plug and plug it in. That's the first thing you would do. You would make sure that all that is, is done. But when we come to God, we don't do it. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. That's a long time, isn't it? Now, 38 years he had the infirmity. Is it God's will for him to have this? Now, here's a, here's a couple of ways you go about it. One way that some Christians have gone about it is he still has it. Therefore, it's God's will for him to have it. It's 38 years he's had it. Now, before we laugh at that, how many times has something affected you for a year, two years, three years, and you've come to the point where I guess this is just something I have to carry? 38 years. Now, this man has not gotten to this point. How do I know that? Simple. He showed up at the pool. He's had this infirmity for 38 years, and he's still showing up at the pool to get healed. When Jesus saw him lying there, And knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. He said to him. Sometimes the questions that Jesus asks. Now understand they are incredibly profound. But we look at them and we think. What? What do you do you do? Do you want to be made well? If you had this infirmity for 38 years. Do you think you would want to be made well? If you showed up at the pool. Which is the place where healing happens. Wouldn't you think that would say, I want to be made well? But what's Jesus say? Do you want to be made well? If Jesus is going to ask it, there's got to be a valid reason for this. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. All right, now that says a whole lot to us right there. This man has had this infirmity for 38 years. He shows up at the pool. Other people have to bring him. Other people bring him to the pool. He sits there at the pool, waiting for the water to move. But the people who bring him can't stay. They have to leave. And so he's there at the pool. How is a lame man going to beat everyone else to get in the pool? How are you going to do that? you got people that are, that are blind. All you got to do is, there's the water. So all you got to do. Point them in the direction of the water. And that's it. This guy, he can't get in. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. So he's been in this situation before. The water was stirred up. He saw the water is being stirred up. But someone else gets in there before him. So what's he do? Comes back on another day. And he comes back again. And he comes back again. And he comes back again. How many of you would quit going? If you had been at the pool, you saw that the water was stirred up, you saw people went in, you saw someone come out and was healed, and it wasn't you. Unless you can find a way to take care of the problem of getting into the pool, some of us will probably have a hard time still showing up. Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Now there's something you've got to learn about Jesus. And Jesus does what the Father tells him to do. This is what we have to learn about Jesus. It's important to get to know this. Put this in your outline for you. Jesus is not attracted to those in need, but to those in faith. How many people are at the pool? More than one. We can say that, right? Because we know that someone else has always beat them in. So there's at least one other one there. But it would seem that there are many more than just one more. Jesus does not spend any time with anyone else. He spends time with this one. Because Jesus is not attracted to need. He's attracted to faith. That's important to know because how many times when we are asking God for things, do we promote our need? Instead of speaking our faith. God, you know, I've got this thing. If I could get rid of this thing, I could do this and this and this for you. If this and this, and this would happen, then I could do this and this. And we're bartering with God. Based on need. I put this in your outline too. I think you already got this one. But Jesus does not assume by our actions that we desire to be healed, but by our obedience. Just because you came to the pool does not mean you want to get healed. Understand this, folks, just because people show up at the prayer line doesn't mean they want to get healed. Some people like the attention their sickness brings to them. But by our obedience to his commands, even if the actions are of great inconvenience. Now, our actions sometimes yields a specific command from God for us to obey. Sometimes, like with this guy, his actions brought about a specific command. This shows us a real huge key here. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. That's a specific command. There are some commands that God gives that have more power associated with them than others. There are certain power commands that God gives. There are also routine ones. If we do not obey the routine commands we don't get to the place of the power commands. This person, whatever his name was, obeyed what he knew to do, which was show up at the pool, wait for the angel to stir up the water, and then jump in. So three things he was given to do on a daily basis or however often this would, would happen. One, he had to go. Two, two, He had a watch. And three, he had a jump. Now, when you think about that third one, you think that's not a big deal. If you are paralyzed, is it a good or a bad thing to fall into the water? (laughs) If you do not get healed upon falling into the water, it can be a very bad thing, right? So there's there's an act of faith that's involved with a paralytic man even being thrown into the water. But every day he had to show up. Every day he had to go. Every time he's there, he has to watch. Because it's not once it's stirred up everyone who gets in, it's the first one. So you have to watch very attentively. And then you have to jump. This is what he had to do. By him going through this, we don't know how many of the 38 years he was showing up at the pool. All we know is it was more than just today. Because he's already got a story about what happened before. So we know it was more than just today. I suspect it was a number of days, probably weeks, months, maybe even years. That he was showing up at the pool and nothing was happening. But he kept showing up at the pool. He kept going through... The routine obedience. Let's just say out of the 38 years, let's just take a number and let's just say for one year he was doing this. For one year, he would ask his friends, can you take me to the pool? He's probably got a number of friends. It's probably not the same friends every day. Sometimes they may have to go a different direction. He'd find some other friend, some other people. Because when you're carrying somebody, it, it takes more than one person. You gotta get two, probably at least two. The rooftop paralytic had more than that. But you gotta get a couple of guys involved with this, carry on down there, lay on that, and then they have to show up and come back because you don't want to be stuck out there. So every day he is arranging for people to get him there and people to get him back. Every day he is every day that this is supposed to happen, he goes. Every day he watches. Can you imagine watching? and watching, and watching, waiting for that water to get stirred by the angel. Now, it does not say get into the pool, and then when the angel stirs up the water, whoever is in the pool is healed. You have to be out of the pool. The pool needs to be empty. The pool being empty, when the water is stirred up, you can tell. If there's people in the pool, folks, you can't tell that the water got stirred up. So the pool is empty. He has to be outside of the pool, waiting for that to happen. Once it happened, then he went on in. Sometimes as Christians, we get tired of routine obedience. We get tired of doing the things on a routine basis. What do you mean I have to do this? Why do I have to keep doing this? But as we are doing the routine, all of a sudden comes the command that's the power one. But if we don't do the routine obedience, we don't get the power command. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. Now, verse 9 is very curious. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Three things Jesus said for this man to do, right? First off, rise. Second, take up your bed. Third, walk. What three things did he do? You tell me what translation you have that says this man rose. Anybody have a translation that says he rose, took up his bed and walked? Now, some do will carry this for other healing episodes. Not this one. This one, it says, And immediately the man was made well. It didn't say rise. Took up his bed and walked. Now, how can you take up your bed if you are laying on it? Right? Can't do that, can you? So, when the scripture says... And immediately, the man was made well. What do we know he did? He rose. He stood up. Immediately. He did not wait. Immediately, the man was made well. Well, if you have a paralytic and he's laying down on the ground on a mat, on his bed, whatever it is, and you're watching this this situation, and he gets up, would you not also say he was made well? He was made well to rise. It had nothing to do with him taking up the bed and walking. Because a paralytic can't rise. So at that point, he is healed. But then he continues to go on and he does the other things. How many Christians, once they get what they want from God, stop. He does not He is made well. The scripture changes that whole thing around so that you can see. And immediately, the man was made well. He's already got what he wants. Why not just leave? Why not say, I'm tired of that bed. I hope I never see that bed again. I'm leaving that bed here. Is that what the Master said? What did the Master say? Take up your bed. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. The man doesn't question anything. The man does all, th- all three things. This is after, let's say, a year, let's say a month, a couple years, of routine obedience, doing the same thing, and getting the same results, going to the same place, and not seeing anything change, going to the same place, and not getting in the pool, seeing other people healed, but him not. He still keeps on going. This man is healed because of the power of God. The angel comes down, charges the pool up with the power of God. Now, the point of contact is, get in the pool. The first person who gets in the pool, that contact is made, and that power goes into them. And whatever it is that's wrong with them, will be taken care of. Now... No matter what it is, whenever the power command comes into our life, God is always able to find something that challenges your submission. Always seems to be able to. He finds something that will challenge your submission. Now, for this man, he was told to do something that he doesn't think he can do. He wants to do it, but he doesn't think he can do it. He hasn't been able to do it for 38 years. And Jesus says to him, do something that you have not been able to do for 38 years now. Now, if if we think about this the way most Christians do, we think, well, I'll do that as soon as I get into the water. Will you put me in the water. But he didn't. He obeyed what Jesus said. Now, the story of the nobleman, the command was to do something he, he could do but didn't want to do. And the nobleman had to go on back he came on down, come and heal my son. And Jesus said, go back home, your son lives. Now, he didn't want to leave without Jesus, but he did. God's always able to tell us something that challenges our faith, challenges our submission. Because he told you before, submission is not easy. If what you are doing with God is, is submission and it comes to you easy, you're not doing it. You're doing something else. Because submission is not easy. How do you know that? Because Jesus had a hard time with it. Jesus had such a hard time with it. He's in the garden, sweating blood. Not my will, but your will be done. I will submit to this. And he did. He submitted to that. Submission is not easy. Submission means you think something else ought to happen. Remember Naaman and leprosy? I thought he'd come on out, wave his hand, call on the name of his God, and I'd be healed. What's this dipping into Jordan seven times for? <laughs> now, it brings us to another spot. Naaman was, was told dip into Jordan seven times. That was the command, right? That's the power command. But when he dipped into Jordan on the first time, what happened? Nothing. Happened. Nothing. Nothing. What happened on the second one? Nothing. What happened on the third? What happened on the fourth? What happened on the fifth? What happened on the sixth? What happened on the seventh? Healed. Healed. See, we don't always like to go through those other ones that set up the, the power one. But it's, it's important that we go through the, the ones that are routine to get to the power one. Don't ever despise the routine that God has you in. Joseph was in a routine. We, we spent some time with this... Uh, A while ago, Joseph was in a routine. He was in a routine as a slave. He was in a routine as a son. And he's in a routine as a prisoner. And in that routine, all of a sudden, the day came. All those years. And finally, the day came. It was the power day. And he went from prisoner to second in charge of the country. Hmm. Your obedience to the routine sets up the power. That's what sets it up. So what we need to do. That's why whatever ministry you get in, whether it's here, other churches, wherever it is, every place has, as we talked about them, guidelines. Remember way back in the beginning we talked about guidelines? Worship team, ushers, um, folks who come on up and minister in different ways, they all have guidelines. They have things to do. It's those routine. It's obedience in the routine that sets you up for the power commands. I'll give you an example of this. If you're up on the worship team, we have certain guidelines to to help get you prepared to be ready on the day when the when the worship thing happens. One of those guidelines is be here at practice, be here on time. We have it laid out as to how the the practice is to go for the purpose. Because for all these things we go to God. God, we're having a problem. How do we overcome this? We seek after God. God says, do it this way. We do it that way. We go after that thing. And and when people do it, just using the worship team, we could use any any of the ministries there. When people do it, and we go through the routine, and we are prepared. We show up on Thursday. We've gone through all the songs. We know the songs we're going to do. We get the songs down. Then when it's time for Sunday morning worship and, and God wants to do something special, He can use you because you're not thinking about all the stuff you have to do because you went through the routine obedience. You know the, you know the song. If you had to keep thinking about the song and the notes and the words, how can God lead you to do something different? How can God lead you and give you something extra? How can God do it? You're over there fiddling with all that. They taught us this back in, you know, as we were going to school. They taught us this. They said you have to know you have to know where it is you're going when you're when you're getting up there to teach. You should know all the scriptures. You should know all the all the places to go. Because if you want to get up there and have God minister to you, if you got to keep thinking about where you're going. I use when we did a a teacher's class, I used this example. This is uh, the way that they put it a picture to me. Uh, from here to Tulsa, Oklahoma, we've driven that path many a time. Many times we've gone from here to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, we enjoyed it. We did it when our kids were little. Kids loved the trip. We had different places. We like to stop and do things on the way. But basically, if I'm going to tell somebody, how do you get from Tulsa, Oklahoma, or from here to Tulsa, Oklahoma, or basically any place? If you want to get from any place, the first thing you need is a starting point. The second thing you need is And if you go up on Google Maps, the first thing Google wants to know is, where do you want to go? Second thing it wants to know is, where are you leaving from? Once it has those two things, if you don't give it those two things, you cannot hit the directions button. It can't give you directions if you don't have a beginning and an end. So you get a beginning and an end. If I'm going to tell somebody how to get from here to Tulsa, Oklahoma, it's real simple. I tell them just simply this, you get on 76, Pennsylvania Turnpike, you get on 76, you take 76 out to Route 70, you take Route 70 out to 44, and you're in Tulsa. That's it. Three things. Three-point sermon. 76, 70, 44. That's it. Now, see, I know that down, so because I have that down, I can start talking about other stuff. Now, when you get off 70 and get into 44, it's a real confusing part. Real real tough area because you're going through St. Louis and there are some tricky spots. It's real easy to miss the exit that you need. So you need to be real attentive when you're over there. Don't get distracted by the great looking arch and the mighty Mississippi River and looking at all these things. You've got to keep your eye on where you need to go. And know what's, what's going on there. And, you know, I might tell them some other things about 70. Route 70, the first time we started doing it, you know, Pennsylvania, 55 miles an hour. 55 miles an hour. All the way on through, 55 miles an hour. Get out to, uh, to Ohio, 75. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 75 miles per hour. You can go on down the road there. I think some spots I even saw a few things, 80. You may tell me I didn't, but I'm pretty sure that I did. <laughs> And you can just fly on down there on the road. Oh, that's, that's real nice. And if, if you want, when you're over in Missouri, there's a couple of real nice caverns that you can stop in. I might tell you about some of those things and might tell you some of the things you can do on the, on the way. And as you go, you can see a sign that says, Meramec caverns. Jesse James, hideout. And you may say, oh, I'd like to go check that out. And so you can veer off the road... And go check out the caverns because you know the directions. What are the directions? 76 76 to 70 to 44. You got that down. 44 takes you right into the city. And so you can veer off on anything that you want because all you have to do is get back on to either 76, 70, or 44. And I'll take you there. So the more you know the route, the more you can go off on some tangents. And do some other things. The more you know what God wants you to do, the more God can come down and say, "Now do this. Go in this direction. Take it this way." The more that you can do that, we you know, Angel comes out here and she does worship for her sometimes wonderful job that she does, and we've we've always had this discussion. We had this. We don't talk about it behind her back. We talk about it right in front of her. That angel will give you six songs and use one of them she'll use one of them that's it and uh and then she'll use a second one that she didn't give you and then go with a third one that you don't even have this is the way that she'll but she's able to do that and she just flows you watch her up there she just flows She's just moving from one to the other. If you were sitting there in the audience and you were not Daryl back in there who had planned this whole thing out, you wouldn't even know she's off, off base going up in another direction. Wouldn't even know it because she just smoothly just flows over to the next song. Daryl's back there. What is this song? I don't know this. What is it called? I, don't, I can't put it up on the screen because I don't know what it is. <laughs> she's just flowing along and she just goes and he eventually, oh, maybe that's the title. And he'll find, oh, we got that one. Okay. You know, we, we just had things like that to, to do. But she just flows real because she, she spent time on all the songs. And she knows all the songs. And now when she's up there on Sunday, she just ties into God. And God says, flow over here. Flow over here. And go over here. But you see, if you don't spend time in the routine obedience, you are not in a position to get the power commands. You've got to be in the routine obedience. Don't ever get bored of the routine. Yeah, but I've been in the same routine for 10 years. How long was Joseph in the same routine? How long was Moses in the same routine? He's even longer. How long was Jesus in the same routine? Before he finally stepped out in the ministry and was anointed to go out there and to to do those things. Don't ever get tired of the routine. We've spent time on this before. All that God will show you in the routine. Until we obey, no connection to the power is made. And therefore, there are no results. You've got to obey. Put this in your outline for you. So often we want God to respond to the action we are prepared to give. Right? Well, God, I'm, really, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to do this. And I'll, do the, I'll even do this. And God says, I want you to do this. I am not ready for that. What, what do you mean? I was not prepared for that. What do you mean you want me to do that? That's craziness. We, I'll give you an example. You're praying, God, I hear these stories. People at church, they're telling me they've been out in the, in the different places, and, and you just ministered through them to someone else. I want you to use me that way. And that's your prayer. You ask God for that. And so you're uh, sitting at home, minding your own business, and it's a rainy day like today. Not only is it rainy, it's cold and rainy. And all of a sudden, it comes up on the inside of you, Go to the store and get some milk. You look in the refrigerator. You notice I don't have any milk. I guess I do need some milk. You look outside. I don't want to go out in that. I don't need milk that bad. I'll wait till tomorrow. And I'll go get the milk tomorrow. What do we do? It may have been that you have been doing the routine obedience. And now God gave you a power command. Go to the store Get some milk. And you didn't go. And he had an opportunity for you there to store just like you heard other people doing at the, at the church. And you missed it. And you'll never know about it. Because you went the next day, got the milk, went home. See, it was no big deal. I did fine without the milk before. we got to be listening to these kind of things. God will sometimes tell you some stuff that first off, I can't do it. I don't want to do it there's all kinds of reasons we have for, for the thing. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. How many Christians, not you, I'm sure this is not talking about you, but how many Christians do you know who out of their mouth would say, but I can't get up? There you go. Now, I don't know how many people said that to Jesus. Because if anybody said that to Jesus, there was no power, there was no connection, there was no healing, they didn't get in the Word. The ones who got in the Word are the ones who did what? Got up. We have Jesus saying this a few times. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And they rose, took up their bed, and walked. When we get to heaven, I'll bet there's a story in there where he goes up to somebody and says, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And they say, What? They don't rise. They don't take up their bed. And they don't walk. But this person did. God moves on our behalf when, through obedience, we open the door. Obstructions to receiving from God are more often born of a lack of obedience than a lack of faith action. We sometimes want to say, well, I've got to do some kind of faith action. People that are sick, they got their medications. I'm, doing, I'm going to throw away these medications. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw away these medications. But God didn't ask you to throw away your medications. He you asked you to do something else, but you weren't prepared for it. Verse 9 And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. That's what they got a problem with. (laughs) Uh, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who's the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know he was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. He didn't even know... Who the man was who said, rise up, take up your bed and walk. Weren't you expecting that he knew this was Jesus of Nazareth? And Jesus says, wow. He just thought he was some guy. Happened to be walking through. And he said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And the man did it. And doesn't even know who he is. I think that's more astounding than some of the rest of it. Verse 14, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Boy, we could spend some time on that, but I'm going to get lost in our, our, our time here. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Now, oh, now I know who it was. it was. It was Jesus. I don't think he's coming and telling them in an adverse way. He thought they were generally curious as to who would have said whatever. I, I, he goes and he tells them. Now, once again, we see here there was no physical contact for the power to follow. There was no plug-in. But the power still flowed. The power is on the obedience to what he said. We've seen this in a few times. That a lot, many times the power isn't just because you touched the hem of his garment. is isn't because hands were laid on. It's simply because you obeyed what God said to do. One more area of scripture. John chapter 2 verse 1. You know this one well. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, we could spend some time telling you why he uh, spoke with her this way. But basically, you know, he's referred to her as woman before when he's up there on the, on the cross. But... um Basically, Mary is coming to him as her son, asking him to do something as God's son. He says, my time has not yet come. But she says this, whatever he says to you, Do do it. Now, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. They... There's no delay to decide if the commands are right. They just do it. She's the, the mother, Mary. She says, whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. And so Jesus comes to them and says, take those pots there and fill them up with water. No delay. They go right at No argument. They go right out them and they fill them up. Does anything happen? No. As far as we know, nothing happens. That's not the power command. And he said to them, And when it says they filled them up, they filled them up to the brim. They filled them all the way up to the top. Now understand, they didn't have a hose. You didn't turn the spigot on. The water came running down through the hose and fill up the pots. You had to go carry the water, go find the water, carry the water with the bucket and put it into the, the thing. Go back and get another bucket. So when you fill it up to the brim, you're doing something. He said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. Now, if you were one of these guys, one of the things you might want to say is that's easy for you to say. Why am I taking him water? Whatever he says, do you do it? And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, did not know where it came from. But the servants who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. When the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning the signs of Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested His glory. And His disciples believed in Him. After this, He went down to Capernaum. He and His mother, His brothers and His disciples. And they did not stay there many days. So the water has turned to wine. But they have to take it out. And when they're poured it in, it probably still looks like water. They're carrying it on over there to them. It may still look like water. We don't know. Somewhere along the process... It turns into wine. But these guys offer no complaint. No argument. They just do exactly what Jesus is, has said to do. And when they get there, he tastes it. Wow, oh, this is good wine. Where is this stuff before? This has a real good flavor to it. Aged all of two minutes. Maybe not even that. Now, when we obey with zeal like these guys did, fill them up to the brim, it means potential embarrassment, doesn't it? If you obey God and do what God says, a lot of times you can be embarrassed. But to act conservatively likely means a potential shortfall. Now, his commands precede his power. Our action alone is not enough. Our action with his action meets the need. It's not our action that causes the miracle to happen. It's our obedience to his command that opens the door for the power to flow, for the connection to be made, and for the power of God to come. There are things, folks, in our life that we need the power of God for. But all we want to do is sit there and say, Oh, God, I need your power. I need your help. Please change the situation. And we go off. And we never look for how the connection is going to be made. And yet every time in the Bible, we've only looked at a handful, but there are more. Every time in the Bible that the power of God showed up, there was a connection that was made. What is the connection that you need to have in order for the power of God to move the way you need it? There is not just one command to tap into power this time. There was two. With Naaman, there were seven. Different ones or different numbers. Do this. All right, now do this. And eventually got to the one that was the power command. And when they did that, it opened the door and the power of God flowed. Contrast that with the children of Israel who walked through the wilderness. How many times did they shut the door on the power of God? All right, here at the end. Often the command is something we are unable to do. Oftentimes God will give you a command and it's something that you are unable to do. Like it was with this man who was lame paralyzed. He was unable to do what God said to do, but he didn't question it. He went ahead and he did it, and it said he was healed. It may be something that we are unwilling to do. Maybe unable, maybe unwilling. I don't want to do that. I am not going and doing that. No, no, no. That's not something I'm going to do. The third one, something that we can do, but don't think it will do anything. Have you ever had that? Well, God, I could do that, but that's not going to change anything. Here's the case for that one. 5,000 men, their wives, and their kids are all gathered. And Jesus says to the disciples, feed them. How can we feed them? He says, go, what do you have? "Uh, We don't know if we have anything. Go find out what you got. Go out there and find out what you got. They come on back and we've got a couple of loaves and some fish. But what is that among so many? Isn't that what we do? We look at it and say, what is this with such a huge need? The, the widow woman with the oil in the Old Testament, Elisha says to her, go get pots. Fill the whole house with pots. Once you do, close the door. That little bit of oil that you got that is insignificant in itself will not run dry until all the pots are filled. We are unable to do. We are unwilling to do. We can do, but don't think it will do anything. What has God Spoken for you to do now, sometimes we say well, God hasn't told me anything yet. I don't have any kind of a power command just yet Then continue in the routine What is the routine that you are doing for God? What is the thing that you do for him every day? Keep doing that keep showing up at the pool Keep having people Carry you over to the pool. Keep watching See what's going on in the pool and be ready to get in. And just in doing that, Jesus is brought over to him. He is attracted to him and him alone. And to him he gives the power command. Rise, take up your bed and walk. That day started out no different than any other day for him. Start started out exactly the same. You will have days that start out exactly the same as they were before. But if you can get your, your, your focus like this person, like this man here who is lame at the pool, who every day came, if you can get your focus to the point of anticipating that when a total stranger tells you to do something you cannot do, you get up and do it. That's how much he maintained this can change. That attitude, this can change. Would you all stand up with me? How many of you are here? You've got situations that are going on, wearing you down. Wearing your that de- same, it, it seems like it's getting no better. The same day after day after day after day, and it discourages you. And you don't feel like it's going to change. And it sometimes gets you to stop your routine obedience, doing the things that you know God told you to do. 38 years, this man had this condition. How long he was going to the pool, we don't know. But he still showed up there. And expected something to happen. Are you expecting God to do something in your life? Are you ready that if God spoke to you right now and said, do this. they see, well, they had Jesus come in and tell them that. Remember, this guy didn't know it was Jesus. He didn't know who it was. But you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you right now. The same spirit that was in Jesus. The same spirit that told Jesus what to tell them. That same spirit will tell you the very same thing. And he says, if you do this, that power is there. If you do this, you will connect into that power and your situation will change. But your routine obedience is what puts you in that position for the power command to come. Don't ever look down on the routine. Don't ever think, I'm just buying time. now no, You look in the Word of God, folks, and you are setting up. You are setting the stage for something more to happen. This is not the only one who kept showing up at a place on a regular basis and then Jesus was brought along on His path to change the situation. He is not the only one. He's just the one we looked at here today. Don't ever get tired of doing the routine for God. What is your routine? Do you study the Word every day? Do you read the Word? Get together with other saints? Pray, talk to God? That's routine. Yeah, but I don't think it's doing any good. That's what the enemy wants to try and tell you. What you're doing isn't doing any good. Joseph probably was told that all the years he was in slavery. The time he was a prisoner. Probably told, this isn't doing any good. You're not getting any closer what you think God is calling you to. And then in one day, it's because he kept doing the routine and he kept his attitude up. How's your attitude? How's your routine? Are you ready that if God were to speak to you this afternoon, tomorrow, that you would obey? Because once the power command comes, it comes one time. And you have the option at that instant to obey or not is not the only time that a power command came and instant obedience was needed. That's just the only one we looked at today. To bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for the help you give us to change our life. There are some circumstances that have kept us down. There are some conditions that are pulling us under. Some things that we're facing that are just discouraging us. And sometimes gets us to quit what we know we ought to be doing. But Father, we want to stay with you. Keep doing what you said to do. And even though it looks like it didn't succeed, we are setting up our power day. Our power command is on its way. And we need to be ready that when it comes, we're ready to go. With every head bowed, if you're here today, if you have a situation in your life You are ready for that situation to change. You need that situation to change. You've been discouraged because the situation has not changed. Raise up your hand. Several. Father, you see the hands that are raised up here? I thank you. This is not new information for you, but you have a way to bring about a change into these situations. Thank you for the help that you give them. Thank you for the insight, the guidance. Father, they continue to do what you told them to do. And every day, this is the day I get into the pool. This is the day my healing comes. This is the day when I tap into that power. And what needs to be changed is glory be to God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Well, a couple of prayers. Uh, pra- anyone anyone else have a prayer report? Didn't uh, get that in? Okay. You can be seated if you want to while I read these. Read over. My wife is not here to read these today. For those of you who didn't hear, her father passed away this week. And um, uh, it was an unusual situation that brought that about. He was uh, home alone. His wife was uh, traveling at work, and uh, she was having a hard time getting in touch with him. And so she asked the neighbor to go on over the door and, and check. And he, the door was locked. He, neighbor couldn't get in. So they broke into the house and they found him on the, on the floor. He was, uh, he had died of a what they, at least at the time thought it was a heart attack. I don't know that they've shed any more light on that. That was the, early suspicion. So, um, she found out about that on Friday, and uh, the, some of the brothers went down, I believe yesterday to try and help take care of some of the, things that were going on. He, he lives down in Maryland. So she just uh, was a little, little down about that, and and uh, stayed home. To um, the, the questions, are, you know, when it's when it's real, real, real close to you, the, the questions sometimes can uh, can hinder or be hard for you. But anyway, here's some praise reports that we had that came in. Candy said, "I received a financial gift Friday. Uh, publishers Clearinghouse. House. It was unexpected. Uh, usually, most things are expect- unexpected from Publishers Clearinghouse. House." It was only $10, but I thank God. Nevertheless, maybe next time it will be the big one. <laughs> Phyllis Jacob said, For 48 hours I battled the worst sinus and cold symptoms I, I ever had. Didn't think I would be even here today, but God's plans are better. Thanks for the healing and the tender, loving care her husband gave her as a, as a nursemaid. Um, uh, praise God for that. And then we have uh, one prayer request. That was all the prayers reports. Got a little low today. Uh, Susan said, "Mom hasn't been feeling good." We uh, do that from, from last week, and they didn't. They had the doctor's appointment this week, right? And there was no um, And one other one tomorrow. So we need to pray for wisdom for these doctors to get her medications right. And uh, and her medications are not off. So all right, let's all stand up. Let's pray over the, over this. And Father, we just thank you. That you can give doctors wisdom that they need. To, to not give her medications that her body does not need. That her body is not receiving. And to correct the ones that she, she does need. Father, we thank you for the wisdom that you give her. That I give to them. That they would know what to do for her. And that her body would respond. Right now, body, we just call right now. That you just get in line with whatever it is that is going wrong with your reaction to these medications. In Jesus' name. We commend you right now. We disagree our faith, Father, with hers. We know we're in, where, the, where, where the situation is. on, on the, we, we know where faith is, Father, on this. I thank you, Father, that her faith is built up in you. We give you the glory and the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Glory to God. Boy, it sounds like they're having fun in there. I pity the parents who have to pick them up and take them out. Wednesday night, we are going to be here and uh, on the for the Wednesday night service. We're going to be over in Second Kings chapter 11. We're going to be what we call the dark ages of Israel's history. This, this period of history has been blocked out in the Gospels. It was not covered. Was the only, only period of the Kings that was not covered in the Gospels when Matthew gives the entire genealogy from David to, to Jesus. This section is completely blocked out. So we're going to look at that, why it's blocked out. We're going to look at someone who usurped the throne. And someone else who did something that allowed Satan to do to God's blessed line what God was doing to Ahab's line. So that's going to be, and we're going to show you what that means for us today. Because these stories are not just in there for us to hear about them. And, oh, it's a nice story. They help us out with what we're facing today. We're going to be in that. at 730 on Wednesday night. We'll be be there for that. And there is no men's breakfast this Saturday. Uh, Brother Keith has to be out of town. So he um, uh, won't be able to, to be here for that. So. We'll have uh, have that next week. But we do have the car show coming up for the men. So all you men, uh, Friday night coming up, uh, I think the last Friday in January is usually when it falls. Any of the guys who want to come along for that. We have a great time going out to the car show. And then afterwards, we have our uh, yearly feast (laughs) at Dave's Famous Barbecue. Dave's Famous Days, whatever they they call it. Just Famous Famous Days. days. All right, just Famous (laughs) Days. So we'll be out there for that one. Have a great rest of the day. Greet some folks before you get out of here.